Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica T., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, October 21st, 2016. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter of Vision for You. We are on page 157. We will be starting with the fifth paragraph. And today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Edith R. The Twelve Tradition, Kimberly L. And our text readers are Jane B., Reva P., and Carrie P. And our newcomer greeter today is Nadia B. The share ID for yesterday, Thursday, October 20th, is 9191. 9191. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Edith R. if she will read the 12 steps for us. Hi, this is Edith R. from Tennessee. The 12 steps. One, we admitted that we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. 
Thank you, Edith R. I will now ask Kimberly L. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Kimberly L., and I'm, ve- I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside of Atlanta, Georgia. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, our gr- for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Thank you, Kimberly L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. So today, we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in a chapter of Vision for You. We are on page 157, and we will begin reading with the fifth paragraph. Two paragraphs will be read, uh, the man in a bed, and the next paragraph. The first paragraph will be for context only, and comments will be taken on paragraph six. And with that, I'm going to ask Jane B. if she would read for us, please. Good morning, Monica. Can I be heard? Yes. Thank you. The man in the bed was told of the acute poisoning from which he suffered 
how it deteriorates the body of an alcoholic and warps his mind. There was much talk about the mental state preceding the first drink. Yes, that's me, said the sick man, the very image. You fellows know your stuff all right, but I don't see what good it'll do. You fellows are somebody. I was once, but I'm a nobody now. From what you tell me, I know more than ever I can't stop. At this, both the visitors burst into a laugh. Said the future fellow anonymous, damn little to laugh about that I can see. Well, I just want to pull out two quick things from that second paragraph. Um, The first thing is that relief of, yes, that's me that I felt the very first OA meeting I ever went to and that I continue to feel every time I talk to anybody and share about being a compulsive overeater. That relief is worth everything to me, to see myself in someone else and to know that I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. I have a disease. The other part I just want to mention is that whole idea of somebody and nobody you're somebody and I'm nobody. It's so funny because that to me speaks so much to ego. And we talk here a lot about how working the steps right sizes your ego. And it's taught me a lot about humility. Um, But I know that for me, when I'm in the food, if I'm ever in the food, I feel totally like a nobody and of no service to anyone else. In recovery, I feel like somebody to myself, somebody to be cared for, somebody to my higher power, and somebody who is here to give this, give service to the people around me. And that's a huge gift to me, to feel my own value in service to others. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Jane B. And with that, we're going to open this up. And who would like to share on paragraph 6 on page 157? This is Bella. Can I share? Gotcha, Bella. Larry? Bella, Larry, anybody else? Paula. Paula? Vasa O. Vasa? Sarah W. Sarah? Oh, you're being awful nice to me this morning. Okay, let's go with that to begin with. Bella G, Larry K, I think it's Paula D, Vasa O, and Sarah W. Bella, you're up. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Yes, that's me. Wow, it's such a relief. And this is exactly what I felt when I just came into the program. I remember my first meeting when I just came in. You know, people started to talk about God and about God, And I felt to myself, oh, please, you know, I didn't come here to hear about God. I know who is God. You will not tell me who is God and what God is doing to do with my weight. I am coming here to do diet, to lose weight, and goodbye. And I was angry and I was disappointed, and I really wanted to leave this place. And then one lady that she looked so nice and so gorgeous and beautiful started to talk and I in the beginning I 
was angry at her and I said, oh, she's coming here, she's talking, she knows what's going on, what an overweight person can feel. And then when she started to talk and she said that she lost 140 pounds and she was talking all her changes and how she was before, I said to myself, wow, this is exactly me. This is exactly me. And it was such a relief because I remember the feeling that I am not alone. And, you know, and I am exactly like her. And she is exactly like me. And she looks so gorgeous. And she's so smart. So, you know, there is something maybe also in me that I can be a successful person like her. And this is what brought me back to the program because I felt I am not alone. I am not lonely anymore. And this is so powerful for me that I am not alone. I don't have to be isolated anymore. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Larry Kay, it's your turn, and then it'll be Paula D. Good morning, Monica. Thanks for your service, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, you know, it says, uh, you fellows know your stuff all right, but I don't see what good it'll do. You fellows are somebody. I was once, but I'm nobody now. You know, I, I can remember coming into this program, and we, we all get here on, on some, you know, to some extent on a losing streak, right? Even if we get here, some of us are gutter, gutter drunks. You know, and others of us get here thinking, well, we kind of got, you know, we don't have it that bad. Maybe we're a higher bottom on some level. I kind of look pretty good on paper. But, you know, as, as I began to learn more about myself and, and the nature of my disease, the, the problem that I was up against, you know, and I, and, I, and I saw in other people, one, I saw physical packaging that had changed. That was important for me to see, certainly. But we all know that the thinnest person in the room perhaps is not the healthiest either, emotionally, mentally, so forth, correct? So, you know, with that, what I began to realize is that, you know, there were people that had some knowledge and there were people that had experienced a change. And I began to see that. And, um, you know, there's no gurus in this program. Look where it started. Look at, you know, Bill Wilson. Did he get here on a winning streak? Did Dr. Bob get here on a winning streak? Bill, you know, Bill D, he did not get here on a winning streak. Neither did I. Perhaps maybe you didn't either. And the thing about it is, though, we all come in, we learn about the nature of our disease. If we indeed have this disease, if we have the twofold nature of this disease, and we begin to, if we're lucky, if we're blessed, we begin to understand that we can work these steps in succession and experience a spiritual awakening, and we can change. You know, I expected to have a linear progression towards a spiritual awakening, a linear progression. And if that's your personal experience, you know, God bless you, that's terrific. My experience was that the spiritual awakening was indeed a positive progression as the result of these steps, but it just wasn't perfectly linear. It continues to unfold. Linear progression in the spiritual awakening is not the norm from what I can tell. 
And I would suggest to you that my desire for immediate gratification, immediate reward, quick change, like the Jiffy Lube of spiritual awakenings, that's what I wanted, 10 minutes. That was one of the, the very things that God needed to alter within me, needed to change within me, and perhaps Bill D experienced the same thing. It took some humility. And I suppose there was some growing up I needed to do in terms of embracing perseverance and resilience and endurance in this program working these steps in succession, seeing the truth for what it was. I'm so grateful for this program. Grateful for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Paula D., you're up, and then it'll be Vasa O. Thank you. This would be Paula D., and thank you for your service today. And thank God it's Friday. Well, you know what? Just change the day. I'm always thanking God. This would be Paula D., as Monica said, um, and currently in Florida. And here we have uh, time. I have time to speak, and I'm very grateful for that. I'm very grateful for all time given. But as we go to this, this para- these paragraphs, and boy, look at a world opening up. Look at the sightless scene. And that's what we see here. And I'm, I'm going to just start. For an hour, the two friends told him about they just just wander just a bit about their drinking experiences. This is when it's useful. As Henry Ford says, use it. Use it. Over and over he would say, that's me, that's me. I drink like that. So there we see the identification. But then I've got to tell you on the next line, okay, you tell them of the acute poisoning. Wait, wait, deteriorates the body of an alcoholic and watches his mind. Well, what am I going to fight it with? Ooh, Okay. There was much to talk about in the mental state preceding the first drink. Oh, here we can come together. And I can come together. And I always know this is what happens. A thought is born. The thought becomes a feeling and the feeling becomes an action. And then there's no stopping it. It's like a runaway train. I didn't realize, though, I didn't have to get on the train. And this is what opens up here. Yes, that's me. Oh, you see another form of identification. And this is what it's all about. But I don't see what good it'll do. But look at what they open up. You fellows are somebody. And that was what was explained with the first speaker. See, the part, and I'm just going to go just for a moment. I'm just going to wander to that page on the doctor's opinion. One word. One word. That's it. On that would be XXVII. And I know my time is coming close. But it said, from a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck. Ooh, sound familiar? maybe you've been there, had emerged. Emerged means it was already there. It wasn't something new that was given to you. It was something you already had but you weren't aware of. Had emerged. Now, let's see what comes out of here. Had emerged a man brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. That's what, this is what this man saw. And there was Bill and Dr. Bob. And then I want to end with, as it's ending here, a laugh. A laugh, you say? But, oh, that laugh was not the laugh of. That was the laugh of, oh, he's starting to see. And you see a miracle. A blind man seeing. We'll see the miracle happen to them. A miracle happen to them. Said the future fellow Alcoholics Anonymous. Dan Little to laugh about that I can see. Oh, and again, we see the word see. I'm closing in on my time, and I'm very grateful for it. With the time I've been given today, 
I hope I use it well. And thank you for allowing me the time to share and to be on this meeting. For me, it is always an opportunity. Thank you again. And with that, I Thank you, Paula G. Thank you, Paula D. And Vasa O, it's your turn, and then it'll be Sarah W. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Monica T., for your service, and I am grateful, recovered, compulsive over you calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts, and I just love this paragraph. I can identify so much with it. Yes, this is me. I, I started identifying with other people that, uh, that were struggling with the food addiction. I felt like I was not alone. And I was looking for the scales, and I was looking for the diets. And now, when I came at my first meeting, and, and I didn't see any of that, but I, you know, they gave me hope. You know, they shared about their their own experience, uh, how they were, and how they've come by working the steps and finding a power greater than themselves uh, before they came. You know, and. Um, I did grow. I was afraid to, you know. Again, hearing about the, about God, I was very. It was very scary for me because I grew up with a pure, fearful, punishing God. But I was open. I was open to hear whatever, and I did not know anything about the allergy. I really did not know about. Um, I mean, I knew with the food I could not stop eating, but there was. I had no name for it. Food addiction or. Or obsessive, um, 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 compulsive eating. I had no clue. I did. I just knew that I could not stop eating. I there was no name for it. So I was really grateful to find out about the about that. The disease scared me. You know, I thought I need to be probably locked up in a mental institution somewhere. That's you know the mental obsession that really scared me. But again, it, it you know it was something that we can arrest the food one day at a time, and we work on our mental obsession, you know, as we work through the steps. So I did surrender, you know, with the food, and then gradually with uh, everything in my life as I was going along through the steps, you know, um, I started getting more spiritual experience and more awarenesses as I was working the steps. So. It's amazing, you know, from where I was to where I am today. It's, I almost don't know that person any longer and anymore. I can laugh. I can laugh about the things that I used to do, you know, with the food and with my life, you know, today. But it was not funny when I came in program. So thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. And Sarah W., it's your turn. Good morning. Thank you, Monica, for your service today. My name is Sarah W., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Yes, that's me, said the sick man. And I think that's the thing that I really focus on on this paragraph. Uh, When I came in, I thought I was just a bad person and um, had so much self-loathing. And that's what I hear in this, uh, in Bill D. also, that, you know, he he just felt like he was a nobody. He, um, He didn't feel like he was eye to eye. And I think that's uh, what we find in the program when we when we really work the steps that we can become eye to eye with people, especially after we do our uh, four through nine. But um, the thing that that strikes me this morning is that we never have to hurt the way we hurt. 
when we first come into the program again. Um, you know, I, I was in so much emotional pain when I walked in the door of Overeaters Anonymous. And, um, you know, people really welcomed me, really said, you know, we're, I'm here for you. And um, there is a way out. You know, there really is. Um, and, you know, with a smile on their face and, and just kind of brought me along, took my hand and, and showed me what I could do. And, um, you know, thank God it was like that. And when I when I struggled and I, I was um, in relapse, thank God there were people that were there that reached out their hand to me and said, come on, you know, when I, when I said I wanted help, they said, come on, I'll help you. Um, and it was no laughing matter for me when I came in either. I, I mean, I was in a lot of emotional pain. I wasn't... Um, I wasn't resentful at the laughing or at the at the um, uh, happiness that I saw in others, but I just didn't really believe it could happen for me. And um, you know, I I think the thing is when one alcoholic uh, comes to another alcoholic or one compulsive overeater comes to another and says, you know, there is a way out if you if you want it, it's here for you, because the program works. It's we that aren't working it. And, you know, I, I have never not seen it work when people really put all their effort into it. You know, God's grace, but really, it, it does work. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah W. And who else would like to share on paragraph 6 on page 157? Shell M. I'd like to share. Mr. R. Shell M. Melissa C. Wait a minute. Okay, the Rebecca. very first one. You Rebecca. said your name three times. I... I still haven't caught it. I'm sorry. Rochelle M. Rochelle. There you go. Thank you. Rochelle M. Nessa R. Sharon. Melissa. W. Say that again. Sharon W. Sharon W. Gotcha. I've got Rachel M. Nessa R. Sharon W. Melissa C. And Rebecca P. Rebecca. Yeah. And my kitty Autumn. Okay, let's go with that. Rachel M., Nessa R., Sharon W., Melissa C., and Rebecca B. So, Rachel, it's your turn. <clears throat> That's Rochelle M. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no problem, but there are other people my, who are Rachel and Yes, not me. yes, my okay. fault. Sorry. No, no problem. Okay, so uh, good morning, everybody. I, I think what resonates with me is the comment of... Um, I used to be somebody, but I'm a nobody now. And um, I would, for me, I would turn it around and say, I used to be a nobody. By that I mean I didn't care about other people. I was judgmental. Yes, I went to a good college, and I had achievements, and in that sense I had accomplishments, but I was nobody because sometimes I hated myself and sometimes I thought too highly of myself. So I was a nobody. You know, and my social skills, my desire to help other people didn't really exist in any exalted way. But today I'm somebody because today I very much care about helping other people. And, uh, and I find that if I start to feel isolated, the most important thing I can do is reach out and contact somebody else, whether they are, whether they are a food addict or there's someone in my community has absolutely nothing to do with food. But the minute I see somebody who needs help, whether it's standing in the supermarket and it's an older person and they're having trouble unloading their shopping cart, 
and on the back of them, I just start helping them. Or is there anything else I can see? Somebody, I was in a store the other day, I was going to a store, and somebody had two shopping carts to push, and I just came along and said, here, I'll, I'll, I'll push them for you. You know, so whatever I can do to be helpful, and that really puts me back in touch with my higher power and helping others, and it gives me a sense of balance, and that means today I'm somebody. Pass. Thank you, Rochelle. NASA R, you're up, and then it'll be Sharon W. Hi, good morning, wishing for you. This is Nessa R, recovered in Toronto, Canada. Uh, what I see in this paragraph is the, the push and pull of wanting to identify in, but still trying to identify out. Um, you know, when I came in, I, I said, I said, like, this man, it's me. This is me. I really wanted to identify in because, you know, number one, I have tried everything and nothing worked. Um, this was my last stop, you know, OA was not the first thing I tried um, in order to um, control my food and control my weight. It was the last thing I tried. Um, I also wanted to identify in because there was a solution and I could see it um, in people. But I also uh, was trying to identify out, so I, I guess for a number of reasons. One, because, I mean, it's a lot of work. Program is a lot of work. And although we say it's one day at a time and it is one day at a time, it's one day at a time for the rest of my life. Because um, I've seen what happens when people stop doing what works. They go back to what it used to be. But also because I was afraid of what my life would, have, would be without potato chips and bagels and, and cheesecake. And, you know, I lived in that state of low-grade misery for years and years and years, even in program. Um, you know, not knowing if I was in, if I was out, uh, if I was or I wasn't, compulsive overeater, um, until the pain of being in the food was so much greater than the pain of the thought of living life without my comfort foods. Um, and that's when things started to click and said, you know, I must have this thing. You know, I had to stop saying, oh, well, these won't work for me. You know, it works for you, but your circumstances are different. Mine are this and yours are not. And finding all kinds of reasons and excuses why, even though I was a compulsive overeater, this would never work for me. But I had to get to that point where um, I just couldn't go on the way I was. Um, and at that point, I, I was fully in with both feet. Not only I said I am a compulsive overeater, but I need to have this thing. I need to work um, this program so I can get to the real solution, um, which is God. And by the grace of God, it's, it's going to be almost uh, five years since I started my uh, journey to recovery. And uh, by the grace of God, I'm recovered today, and I passed. Thank you, Nessa R. And Sharon, I think it's Sharon W. You're up, and then yes. it'll be Melissa C. Thank you for allowing me to share. This is Sharon W, compulsive overeater, and in this paragraph I see that he has an inferiority complex and he doesn't have any hope, but I also think he does have some hope because he allowed the men to talk to him and he listened to them. Even though he didn't really understand everything, he still allowed them to listen. I mean, to he 
he listened to them. And for me, I knew there was, I was hopeless and had an inferiority complex as well, knowing that uh, I needed help. I just didn't know where to get it because I had dieted, if that's a word, so many times and lost some weight. And I said, there has to be something else. And when I became, um, I had heard about OA, and once I started, and especially with the vision for you, I am very appreciative and grateful for a vision for you because it is a lot of work, and um, I am willing to do the work, and it's just a joy to be a part of OA and a vision for you. And I passed. Thank you, Sharon W. Melissa C., you're up, and then it'll be Rebecca B. Hi. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And uh, gosh, I'm so grateful that um, I'm a part of this fellowship, that I stumbled upon this beautiful meeting because it seems like um, the more I look at this book closely um, and have it, you know, really slowly um, combed over for me, the more I have an opportunity to learn about myself. And it seems like everything always applies to me. You know, now that I'm of the mindset that I'm looking to identify in, every every paragraph applies to me. And, you know, and so this feeling of being a nobody um God, I know that all too well, you know, um, when you're, you know, I, I some of those, those um, wounds, they run really deep, you know, they, they don't just disappear over, you know, over two years, you would think having recovery, now you feel like a somebody, and um, that's just not the case, you know, not for me, some days yes, and other days no, and, you know, um, my experiences. Being, you know, you want to feel like a nobody, be an obese teenager. You know, that that pain um, is very real. You know, you feel like a nobody. But then, you know, I'm an adult now. I'm 48 years old. And guess what? I still struggle at times with feeling like nobody. Um, I have, you know, some work issues that I shared on here. The state has been auditing our building. And, um God, and I'm discovering I'm addicted to praise. I want to be praised. I want to be, you know, recognized. And um, that, you know, that's what I've looked for um, sometimes to fill me up. And I'm learning from this beautiful fellowship. Um, that's where I need to grow. That, you know, why were these guys laughing when they, when, when they were said, oh, you're somebody and we're nobody? Because they become somebody. We become somebody um, by the work that we do. You know, and it's the work that we do other-centered, not for myself. It's, it's not the work that I do so that I hear, yay, you, Melissa, good job, Melissa. It's, it's the work that I do that um, comes without recognition, you know, that is just, that's what it means to be other-centered. And, um, you know, and so when I share my inventory with people here, when I tell, like, what is upsetting me at work, I'm pointed to exactly this, you know, in the book, here I am looking to feel like somebody, but the feelings of somebody come from being other-centered. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. 
Thank you, Melissa C. And Rebecca B., you're up. Hello, uh, may I share? Is this Rebecca? Yes. Uh, yes, you may. Rebecca. Thank you. This is Rebecca, compulsive overeater. Um, and, uh, yeah, that paragraph makes me think of, um, makes, makes me think of myself when I first came into OA. All my life, I wanted to gain immortality and make something of myself. But it seems that every goal I tried to reach for, uh, as soon as the initial glory of the beginning ran ran out, I would, um, and the hard work would start, I would cop out and run to the foods. Therefore, I made a lot of good beginnings, but it looked like I couldn't follow through with them. And I felt that I was nobody, and I... You know, I tried to be somebody with all the fresh beginnings I made, but I'm sorry about the noise, y'all. I I made all these fresh beginnings, and that gave me the illusion that I was somebody, but that illusion wore off because when it got down to brass tacks, I turned to the food, and then there was nobody again. And uh, when I finally got to the point where I realized that my food was quite a problem and that I was turning to it as my drug of choice, that um, I realized that um, I went to my first meeting and there were people like me. There were people that... um, Food grew their life, too, and kept them from being the kind of people they wanted to be. And immediately I said, yes, there's somebody, and I'm a nobody. And I felt hope that at last I could be somebody. But the feeling persisted because try as I could, I could not reach abstinence. And I had the hardest time until I finally got through the 12 steps, which I did last night. And for the first time, I feel hope. I put my sobriety date as yesterday because this is the first time that I can, and this is the paradox, that I gave up self in order to be somebody. And um, I don't... And I realized that it's not what I accomplished that makes me a somebody. It's what God gives me that makes me a somebody. And that's the gift of sobriety with food. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Rebecca B. And just a gentle reminder, there was a lot of background noise, not sure where it was coming from. Please mute your phone if you are not the speaker, okay? All right. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph before we move on? Amy E. Chrissy K. Chrissy K. I heard a guy. Amy E. I heard you, Amy. Gotcha. C. Wayne. Say, Wayne. 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 Oh, 
Yeah. Wayne C. Oh, didn't I butcher your name last week? <laughs> you okay. called me Lindsay. <laughs> oh, is that it? <laughs> I should oh, say Lindsay C. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got Amy E. I got Chrissy K. I think Wayne C. Anybody else? Okay, let's go with that. Amy E. You're up. <laughs> Amy Hi, can e? I be heard? Now Hi. you can. Yes. Go Perfect. ahead. Amy E in Ohio, abstinent and grateful. Um from what you tell me, I know more than ever I can't stop. At this, both the visitors burst into a laugh, said the future fellow anonymous, damn little to laugh about that I can see. And I love this because Bill and Bob are laughing because they know something that this guy right now does not, and that is that this total despair and admission of powerlessness this total acknowledgement that i this this is my life uh, you know boxes and bags crumbs on the bed sheets um uh, obesity um high blood pressure i cannot stop the licking the biting the nibbling the shaving one more slice the shaving one more slice the shaving one more slice off that piece of cake or piece of pizza i can't stop um, sitting on my hands, getting up and pushing away from the table, dieting, exercise, none of that stuff. It works for a little bit and then that incomprehensible demoralization. That that feeling of despair is the gateway to a new way of life. And this is where when we're working with others that that identifying in and going, yeah, that's me and oh my gosh, I'm screwed. That that's that that I'm screwed part. That despair is a vital part because it's only through that demoralization that we're willing to pick up the spiritual tools at our feet. That we're willing to say, you know what? Maybe these, maybe a higher power. Maybe this is the solution. It sounds a little woo-woo. God hasn't done anything for me up to this point. Look at the way my life is. You'd eat too if you'd have if you had my life. But then he sees the clear eyes and the general demeanor and the happiness and joy and the freedom that these two recovered fellows are living in and that we hopefully radiate out when we're working with others, joy. Um, and uh, that willingness to say, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. Nothing else has worked. I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to see. And, and um, that understanding, too, that it doesn't have to be my God. It's the God of your understanding. And if you've got a rough relationship with God, it can begin with just trusting and relying on the God of your sponsor. You know, I've heard that before too, right? If uh, you don't like your God, try mine. And, and um, or believing in, the, in that whatever spirit is anim- that you feel animating us on this line or in a face-to-face Silver Readers Anonymous meeting. That's the spirit that we must trust and rely on to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, which is stop compulsively overeating one meal at a time, one day at a time. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Amy E. Chrissy K. You're up, and then it'll be Wayne C. Hi, Monica. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, excellent. Hi, everybody. This is Kristen K. from New York, and uh Really grateful to be on the line this morning. I don't usually get to to uh, be on the line, but I I'm off today. So anyway, um, 
You know, I really was struck by this paragraph because I, too, I, I really related, first of all, to this first line. Yes, that's me, said the sick man, the very image. You know, and the image that he's talking about is like I have this body that can't stop eating and this mind that keeps telling me, you know, that it's okay. It's okay to do it again. You know, you've lost the weight, you're thin now, you can do it this time, you know, I've arrived, I can I can eat. And you know, um and so and then I just fall into another, you know, deeper and, and every time that, that I told that my mind told myself that lie, you know, I just fell deeper and deeper into um into my addiction until I really felt like a nobody. You know, I really identified so much with what everyone shared this morning and you know and when I saw a fellow in one of my face-to-face meetings that had that starry-eyed look, and, you know, I I had such self-loathing at that point, I didn't know any other way out. My food had taken me to such a bottom that when I saw this woman in front of me and she said, I just shared, you know, I was just struggling so much, and she was in front of me and she said, call me later, and I did. And that began my journey of this work through the good book. And and really what that journey started was a really an unblocking of all my stuff to a connection with a higher power. You know, I talked about in my face-to-face meeting last night that, you know, this isn't about the tools or this meeting or, you know, and, um, you know, the, the – the face-to-face meeting, any of that, you know, it's not about that. What this program has given me is, and what this this work, I should say, has given me is a connection with the power greater than myself because at the end of the day, it's between me and God. You know, nothing that is, when I'm having food thoughts at times because I'm a compulsive overeater and, you know, I'm going to want to eat, you know, I, 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 you know, if it does come up, that it's between me and God. And sometimes it doesn't even make sense. Like, I had that neutrality with food today, but sometimes, like, it just comes, you know. Um, and so really at the end of the day when, you know, and getting out of self, and that's, I'll just end with saying that, you know, service has been such a key component in my program over this last two and a half years. And I say that humbly because I could not, I could not stay stopped. What has helped me to stay away from the food this time is um, the fact that I have a connection with a higher power, a power greater than myself, and time. that, thank you. And I'm just so grateful to be on the line this morning, and I pass. Thank you, Kristen. And Wayne C., you're up. And then Reva P., will you read for us after that? Go ahead, Wayne. Oh, good morning. Thank you. Uh, thanks everybody. Good morning. Um, thanks for what you shared so far. Um, yes, I was thinking about, um, you know, his comment there, um, that, you know, he says, um, that he was a nobody. Um, and, and the irony I think for me is that, um, I, have this, you know, and, and I think the big book talks about it, but this idea of, um, yeah, I mean, I was so filled with ego that it took 
it takes, you know, me to be pretty much face first on the ground, you know, beaten by my own <laughs> circumstances, by my own hands, uh, to to admit that I'm that I really am not so much a nobody, but I don't have clearly it's not working. Right. My game plan is, is not working and so some ways I could say I was a nobody, but what actually got me there was thinking that I was all that. And that's a dangerous, dangerous thing. And I think I've heard it said that alcoholism really kicks in when you sober up. That's when you really know. And so you know, my compulsive, yeah, because I, I won't say the obsession has been listed. I was thinking about food, you know, it's, it's like my long lost friend and, you know, Sometimes it says, Wayne, where are you? You know, and um, so the obsession is still there. So it's, uh, you know, I am in a dangerous place, I want to say, you know, with my step four. And, uh, but more dangerous is that, that beautiful ego I got. Because even as um, I heard this idea of people having um, this twinkle in, in their eye, you know, when they, when they become absent and they're, you know, spiritually connected. And I keep looking in the mirrors, that twinkle there. Because you know, boy, I'll show them. Right? I'll, I'll, I'll walk into a meeting and they'll, it'll light up from when I get there. There'll be a halo on my head. People will, 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 you know, will just be like, oh, wow, look at, look at that person's eyes. You know, so this is dangerous. My ego's always at play, and um, yeah, I can be a somebody, but you know, that's a dangerous thing to be a somebody. So I think what the best I can strive for is. It's of course working steps, but as I'm learning, you know. Um, but also, I think um, have God show me how to be of service, right? And uh, and that's and, and to protect you from me, right? Because if I'm not being service, and this book tells me how to read and tells me what to read, then Wayne's ego is gonna is gonna you're gonna be safe from safe from me because we're gonna read the book. Minute I start to deviate from that and get some notion of what I'm gonna put into it, man, run away, you know. Gosh, that's how crazy I can be. I think I'm so much, and then next minute I'm time. Just bizarre. Thank you. Thank you, Wayne C. And Reva P. Could you read for us, please? Good morning. Uh, it's Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. The two friends spoke of their spiritual experience and told him about the course of action they carried out. Okay, I will share on that short paragraph. Um, for me, this is the paragraph of hope. Um, you know, they're talking about the problem, spending an hour talking about it. He's identifying in, and what makes this program different than just, you know, complaining about what I'm doing or being um, almost prideful, like, look how much I ate and out, you know, I out-binged you. That's not what this program is about. They're talking about the treatment for alcoholism. Um, and here, um, I just wanted to break this down. They spoke of their experience. So they had experience in the disease, but they also have experience in the solution. Um, they're not talking from intellect or research articles that they've read. It's their experience. 
And what is the solution? What gives us hope? The solution is the course of action, not the course of thinking, not the course of analysis, but the course of action. And the course of action is the 12 steps, which reminds me in the, the chapter that I just loved when I uh, first came into program was the title, There is a Solution. And it says right there, you know, yet again, the fact the fact is that we have a common solution, not just a common problem. We have a way out upon which we can absolutely agree, upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. That's why we can laugh. That's why we're not you know, crying. We're um, getting a kick out of life and enjoying our lives. So that's the great news that this book carries to those who suffer from this seemingly hopeless state of mind of body. And it says it again in the foreword, we have recovered from a seeping, seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And to show others precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of the book. This is not an intellectual book. This is like a manual, and it explains very simply how to do these 12 steps. And if I just do what everybody else who has recovered has done, then I will get the same results. Um, and in order to keep that and have that connection and that spiritual experience, like I never finish. I always thought I would get this thing, I would do the six-month OA program, and then I'd go out and live my life. Um, but I learned early on that that's not how it works. I need to continue, continue, um, and keep growing by doing you know, 10, 11, and 12. Um, so there is hope. I can feel like a loser today too unless I work uh, the steps um, and have a spiritual experience so I can access this power greater than myself. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. And obviously, I wasn't looking at the time too well. We only have two minutes here. Can somebody, would somebody like to share for two minutes on this paragraph, on the spiritual experience? Tina S. from Florida. Tina, go ahead. Take us out. Thanks, Monica. Tina S. Compulsive Beater, anorexic in Florida. Well, I heard some really, really good things this morning. Grateful to be on the line. You know, I, I love this paragraph also. You know, it talks about the problem and the solution. You know, it, they spoke of their spiritual experience and told him about the course of action they carried out. You know, there was some work to be done. It isn't about what I think might work for you. This is what happened to me and what I did and where I am right now. And, uh, and that's what I'm asked today to carry to the newcomer or the person who is still sick. And I try to do that as imperfectly as I can, you know, uh, one day at a time. And, you know, I just wanted to share for myself, you know, they talk about a spiritual experience because I believe, you know, they had uh, especially uh, Bill at some point, well, after his relapses, you know, he kind of had that, that bright light thing. Um, and, you know, mine was an overtime thing. Through the 12 steps, you know, I had the spiritual awakening. And, um, and today, you know, I share that story with people that I'm trying to help because, it's the story that worked for me, you know, and, and everybody has their own, and I, and I like that too. But it is about action. It's about what I'm doing, not about what I'm thinking, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Tina S. Thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second 
unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Carrie P., could you read for us, please? I would love to, Monica. Can you hear me? Yes. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.